Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones, putting in some work from the home studio. We're going to separate from the pack a little bit on this one. I'm going to put y'all on to one of my favorite podcasts. This is an episode of H for Hustle. It's hosted by one of our show's producers, Jerome Fenton. H for Hustle is about an entrepreneur's journey from working a nine to five to starting their own business. It's about that time frame in between, that feeling. And uh, it's a very in-depth interview, probably my most personal interview. So I thought this would be a great way to start the year. Now, without further ado, here is H for Hustle featuring your boy. Welcome back to the H for Hustle podcast. We have another amazing guest on today. Uh, we have Jermaine Stone, the founder of Crew Love, uh, which is a creative agency blending wine and hip hop together. Um, the a host of the Wine and Hip Hop podcast, uh, a wine auctioneer. Um, this guy has more slashes than Oprah in his name. <laughs> I don't even want to keep going. Uh, Jermaine Stone, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Um, Thank thanks for being here, man. So um, I'm just going to get into it because you have such an interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I kind of admire the story. So I just want to kind of get into it. Um, let's start backwards. Let's. Who is Jermaine in like ninth grade? Who who was who was that mm, guy? Jermaine in ninth grade was uh, a very cool but angry dude. Okay, that was in love with hip hop with like every fiber of his being. Got you. In in what way were you like running home watching Rap City like that guy? Everything. I was running home watching Rap City. I was cutting school to go to Nobody Beats the Wiz to go pick up the CD every Tuesday on the day that it dropped. I'm in, like walking from the store, opening the CD, reading the credits right there. <coughs> Not even, you know, waiting till I stop. I was walking from the store reading. I, guys, I love just how he noticed he said pick up. He didn't say purchase. He said picked up. You got to go pick that up. Man. <laughs> you got to go like you, you used to need to be committed. You know what I'm saying? Some of the weather ain't good all day. I'm from the Bronx, man. They don't shovel them streets some days, man. You know? So, so. <laughs> um, so all right. So you were angry, but very into hip hop kid. I loved hip hop. Gotcha. Were you like Mr. Entrepreneur in ninth, like ninth grade? Were you like looking for businesses, business ideas? Were you like that guy or just worried about hip-hops and were you like a rapper uh well yes i was definitely a rapper i mean in ninth grade i was kind of like transitioning from that like being a kid to getting into yourself starting to get in some trouble like for real <laughs> you know not not like little stupid fist fights in the park like yeah. real shit uh-huh and uh, pardon me, <laughs> you know and um yeah, I, I was. Did you look for business ideas? Or I was just focused on rap. I was always entrepreneurial, um, not necessarily looking for business ideas, just looking for any way to get some money. So you were like shoveling snow, anything. I shoveled snow. You know, I started working when I was twelve, and um, I got a job at what, what was the name of this place? Top Tomato. <laughs> and wow. If you're from the hood, you know Top Tomato. I, was a, I had a job at Top Tomato packing bags. Like, there was no salary. You just mm -hmm. show up and you work on tips. And you were getting changed for packing bags? 
I did that for about a week. Really? And I was like, nah. Would you made like 20 bucks? If that. Wow. <laughs> if that. Wow. Like, you know, it, it, it didn't work out for me. And it was also like very degrading and kind of felt like you were panhandling. It did, I didn't feel good about it. Yeah. But and you did it anyway. Did it anyway. You know, switched up. Started selling weed. Okay. You know, um, and that was... This is like ninth grade high school? Nah, this is sixth grade. Oh, really? You know, so this is when I was... I've been... That's when I'd say my entrepreneurial spirit really started, but... And I didn't understand the logistics. I didn't understand how it worked. I just knew that people that sold drugs got a lot of money. <laughs> that was it, you know? Gotcha. We was the closest thing that was, that was uh, in, my, in my circle. Um, I didn't do very well. You know, I didn't make no money doing that either. <laughs> really? So, yeah. <laughs> like, so I got out of that business. And um, my brother at the time, he had a little situation at his school where um, there were these like new lollipops that came out. Uh, there was, I don't know if you remember these. They were like shaped like watermelons. Uh -huh. And they had the apple flavor. And they had all these different flavors. Everybody loved them. And my brother knew where to get them wholesale. Oh. So he started selling them. They were 10 cents in the stores. But, you know, the convenience of buying it in school is a little different. So he started selling them for 25 cents a pop, oh. five for a dollar. Wow. So everybody would just buy a dollar's worth. Yeah. He put me onto that hustle. I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. He was making money. I'm like, damn, I ain't making no money selling weed. I'm about to start doing this. <laughs> that's so funny you go from lollipop you go from weed which is now a profitable business to lollipop exactly. which is also the same thing it's like selling, selling a, 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 a certain feeling exactly and then you know um from there i started making some some dough okay. you know and it wasn't like i was making millions of dollars but like ten dollars a day or something. now i was making like 60 bucks a week bro oh, really yeah That's man. Good for being i was able to buy my own video games stuff like that but i was mostly buying a bunch of snacks and shit after school for my friends trying yeah. to be a baller gotcha <laughs> so that's ninth grade high school what about like 12 well, that was that was uh junior high school okay then going transitioning to ninth grade it was just whatever i'd always had two jobs always you know did my little thing on the side couple dollars here and there but it was just about being fresh at that gotcha time. so it was just making money any which way possible anyway if it was working if it wasn't working whatever you had to keep do. kept two jobs gotcha. i kept two jobs always perfect so in high in in in, in 12th grade Mm -hmm. Like, what about that? Like, you're about to transition off to, you know, yeah, I mean, consider you an at, adult. at that point, you know, still, like, I was, I always, I was someone that always had my stuff together. You know, my head was always in the right place. I was always really respectful. I wasn't moving around on no gangster stuff at all. But at the same time, I was in kind of a dark place with, you know, hanging around a lot of the wrong people, constantly being in the wrong element. And at that age, that was when I really started to kind of get into stuff. Um, and, you know, I was really, again, also on rapping. I did not have any plans for college whatsoever. So you were just going to make it to rap? I assumed I was going to be a rapper. Like, at that point, I rapped every day, never lost a battle. There was, con there was a lot of people interested in me. Like, Sporty Thieves were big in 99, you know? At the time, in like 2000, I was recording an album with Sporty Thieves. Yeah. You know, like... So I, you thought you were going to go... I, I assumed I was going to get on. You know, gotcha. I, I assumed I was going to get on. I'd been get on a record label, radio, get a, get a label deal, go from there. Exactly. So, and I didn't even know what money that meant. I just said, I'm going to get on. Yeah. Started 
uh, and not being in school, having that idle time, you know, you more stuff starts happening. So got caught up in a little stupid situation. My parents were just kind of at their wit's end with me. My mom was like, you know, you need to get into school. You need to do something. I signed up for college just to quiet them down. Yeah. Like, that was it. And you know, but my, with no intention of really paying attention or focusing. I, yeah, definitely. It was just okay. Yeah, I do kind of need a backup plan, and you know, it's if I'm gonna be successful, I need to figure it out. There was a lot of stupid stuff going on around me, mm -hmm. and it just felt like my life needed a change. I needed to at least be open to some type of new direction. Uh, and I went out for my um, business degree. Gotcha. Um, so, so you graduate high school, then you're like, I'm going to go to college just to kind of appease my parents, not really because I care. It was about them. a year and a half gap. Oh, really? So, you, year and a half, what were you doing between that year and a half? Just like getting in street shit. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. We won't need to go there. <laughs> but definitely. Nothing crazy, you know, though. It, was, it was just like I, I had way too much time on yeah, my Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like any idle kid. Like, you'll find, you know, you'll find the things to get into. Exactly. Um, so a year and a half in between, you're kind of just fumbling around. And then you just said, to quiet my parents down, let me just go to school. Yeah. All right. And then, so you go to school. You just pick what? Business? Business, man. Was there a reason why? Yeah, well, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur, so starting a business, not starting a business was never an option. You were gonna, we were always raised to have some type of business, some line of secondary income. Gotcha. Uh, so I wanted to like, uh, I knew that I needed to learn about the uh, foundation of business. Got you. In order to successfully run one. And I wrote, I actually physically wrote down like a little backup plan. Got you. Know? you. But you, you, you still weren't really focused on that. No, it was, a, it was exactly that. It was a backup plan. Just so it was there. But so, like college. So then really, you're chasing this rap career. Mm -hmm. What then makes a guy after the, like, chasing this rap thing to like then say, you know what? I'm going to do school now. What happened? Was there something that happened that said, you know what, like that maybe broke your spirit or maybe you just decided to move in a different direction? Was, you know, was it too much? What was the... It was a few things. Like rap started to bore me, uh, get annoying uh, just because of the way that it, it became... They commercialized getting on, uh -huh. you know, like there was shows coming out like making a band and all these competitions and stuff like that. But it, people didn't care who had the best music. It was just whatever was going to be entertaining at the time or, or who you know. Uh -huh. or, you know, it, it wasn't... It was a lot of who you know. It wasn't based on talent. So that just kind of uh, deterred me. And I was doing extremely well in school for the first time in my life. Like, college kind of sparked something. It was like, all right, I'm paying to be here. So I really need to pay attention. The classes were... You know, it was a shorter day and I was I had some type of interest in it. So, yeah. so first semester I knocked out like I had a 4.0 GPA for my first uh, wow. two semesters. So to come from like a knucklehead kid to now like 4.0, your yeah. parents must have been really happy. They were very excited. <laughs> so now how do you make the transition from hip hop kid growing up inner city then like doing good in school to like wine? Like that doesn't there's no connection there. Yeah. So how does that happen? So after my first year in college, uh, you know, I just saw the financial strain. 
I wanted to pick up the bill a little bit. Uh, so I were I, and in the plan that I wrote for myself, I knew that in order to get a business loan, I needed to have some work experience. And the time frame I wanted to do it, I said I need to get going on this work experience while I'm here in school. So instead of take like I couldn't afford to take an internship, mm-hmm. so I'm like, yo, let me go to school at night and take up a day job. And I was I wanted to take a day job simply to learn how a, a company works. I was willing to do anything. I'd be the janitor for somewhere just to know it could get me in there. So I, I focused on an entry level position. Took a job packing boxes at a wine storage facility and just worked my way. So up. like just working the warehouse, packing boxes up. That's it. That's and it. so your entry was point was literally picking up boxes and putting them down. Yo, I started from the bottom, bro. <laughs> Straight up and down. That that was that was as low as you could get, bro. Gotcha. I was in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So you're packing boxes. You're pretty much working in like a warehouse in the sense. Yeah. Now and then you're doing great in school. How do you then transition? Like you know how because most people are in warehouse jobs or like in warehouse jobs kind of like forever or until they quit. Like mm-hmm. they don't really grow within that industry where they're packing boxes. It's not like you pack boxes and then all of a sudden you're like the CEO of the company. That doesn't really quite happen. So yeah, <laughs> how, how did you make that transition? Uh, so I, as I started to like rap less i got uh, further along in in my wine career and um at a certain point i just you know i made that i saw like the finer things in life through wine was there like one experience that made that you saw some finer things because you're packing boxes what do you see that's so fine nah well you know after after i graduated i took an office administrator job oh. in, the, in the auction department. Gotcha. And while I was there working as the office administrator, I was a lot closer to the operations side of the business. Gotcha. Aside from just, you know, knowing the lower end of operations, now going to the administrative side. And um, that is what I wanted to see. Is like, you couldn't just, and you know how this was, like back in the day, you could never just go out and get an office job. Everybody wanted you to have experience. Yeah. I took that warehouse job as my way to get around that. So you like, this is my experience. I have wine experience now. Give me an administrative job. Well, I have experience. Uh, I have institutional knowledge. Gotcha. That is something that is invaluable so within the industry you already had knowledge to then do administrative work which ties you directly back to the warehouse exactly Uh i was able to utilize the the institutional knowledge i got to move on to a position that at the time i straight up and down was barely qualified for i'd never held the administrative position i was fresh out of school like still actually taking classes at the time i'd only have my uh associate's degree Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, man. So, you know, I I was just ambitious. I wanted to learn. uh, And um, wine was just so interesting. Like first it was a big cultural exchange because I'm from where I grew up. There was really no there was no place for me to gain white friends. You know, (laughs) like like there wasn't they didn't live in my neighborhood like white people are. encountered were like my teachers bosses at work (laughs) you know like every once in a while you might mix here and there with somebody at at a job but i wasn't really able to get 
I wasn't able to understand what their culture was like. Yeah. So when I started working in wine, it was a completely different, it was this mix, this melting pot. Like I worked with a gay guy. I worked with, uh, you know, uh, every, every spectrum of the rainbow that you gotcha. could think of was all there in one place. And that was like intriguing to you. It was very cool. I learned a lot and, you know, it opened my eyes to the rest of the world. Got you. So how long were you an office, office administrator? I was an office administrator for about two years. Two years. And then what was the next step after? Did you leave the company and say, I'm going to do what No, I stayed, I stayed there for nine and a half years. Gee, so, yeah. so packing boxes, administrator, then what's the next yeah. step? Packing boxes, administrator, logistics coordinator, logistics supervisor, logistics manager. And within that, it, there was a lot of like subdivision stuff like I control the bidding department I um, you know I was the auction auctioneers clerk so I'd stand there on the auction podium with the auctioneer and making sure that they are constantly on track paying wow. attention to all the absentee bids that and this is all within one company auction. all within one co company gotcha so okay. I really I did logistics so that's the transportation and movement of property um, as well as uh, customer service and uh, working in support for our live auction. So during this time, your knowledge is growing like crazy. Like crazy, man. I mean, I was just learning, I was learning about business, I was learning about wine, and I was learning about people. Uh -huh. Like that's, it was just, it was nuts. Yeah, so funny you say that, that there was something that I learned from one of my mentors is that people stay at a job for three reasons. You can have two out of the three, but you can't, if you have all three, you're going to have a person that stays forever. If you have two out of the three, they might vary. If you only have one, they're going to quit. So they say, he says, if a person's learning, they're making money and having fun. And it sounded like you were kind of in all three. Yeah, no, nah, and, and that was the other thing. I was making money. It was, you know, with rap, you got lucky. Yeah. With why? The work you put in was what you got out. Got you. So you were making your own luck. 100%. Like, nice. I, I was hourly. You know, I felt like at that time, for where I was at, I was getting okay dough. And there was no cap on my overtime. <laughs> you know? And I'm Jamaican, so. <laughs> well, the overtime is perfect. Overtime. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then, all right. So nine years, you're at the top of your, your game at this point. Do you then make the jump into entrepreneurship? Like, what was the next step after that nine no. years? Yeah, no, I actually, I did and I didn't, you know, and this was like a really, this was a significant turning point in my career and a good way for me to dip my toe into entrepreneurship in a, uh, in a safe way. Okay. I was hired away by um, a, I was hired by a, a different wine auction uh, company. Well, Actually, they were a wine retailer uh -huh. that was looking to expand their company. They wanted to create a, a wine auction division in a different state, uh, as well as open up like satellite retail stores. And um, and uh, I was a part of that expansion. Mm -hmm. So uh, me and uh, three others were um, hired uh, to create a wine auction house from scratch got you so you got a chance to be like what they call an intrapreneur like you worked within a company but right. you got to use all your entrepreneurial skills yeah okay. yeah and i mean yeah because they gave us no roadmap. it was like you guys go, know what you do, do start it. a start an auction house <laughs> like it's like uh there was no we worked from nothing we had zero 
so our, our first day was let's go back for a second because i'm kind of getting a little uh what is a wine auction house mm. a wine auction house uh so right now you're the normal the, the main way that most people will buy wine is through retail stores mm -hmm. you walk into a shop you buy a bottle of wine there are certain items that are uh, old and rare. You know, okay. if you want something that's old, old, rare, highly sought after that you just can't find. Um, at you your local to, liquor store. At your local shop, you, you go to an auction house. You know how it is, like when people are... Like Sotheby's or something like that. Yeah, like right. if you're buying old and rare paintings or there are sneaker auctions. Or think about even eBay. Yeah. Like the reason that people go to eBay for shit you just can't find. Um, so there are auction houses that collect property that, that sell property on the behalf of collectors gotcha. to their uh to their network gotcha you know the auction houses a high level consignment shop exactly you gotcha. know auction houses accept wine on consignment from collectors and sell it to their customers on their behalf gotcha in the wine auction you need to be um, partnered with a, uh, a retailer in order to legally auction wine uh, awesome. so most okay. auction houses are connected with different retailers so you you guys three of you guys get thrown into this so no roadmap four of us. Four of us. so no roadmap just say hey start a wine auction house yep <laughs> and walk <laughs> me through that how did you guys pull that off <laughs> I mean, yeah, just literally, you know, first you, we, you got to conceptualize um, the direction for the company. And our CEO was really good about that and including us in uh, figuring out what our company's culture was going gotcha. to be. That was the very first thing we did. But, you know, there's also your foundational stuff. Like after we figured out the culture, we knew the type of employee that we wanted to hire, who I'm our most desired person was and then we created job descriptions based on that went out and hired them where are you going to put those people you need to get an office you need to get infrastructure for an office uh, so you guys literally built out everything, everything man like i didn't know anything about um well i knew a little bit about real estate and, and just through regular stuff like you know renting apartments i've worked with and seen people buy and sell houses uh, but I knew nothing about commercial real estate. Wow. I had to get a quick crash course in that, figure out wh what was going to make sense for us for a warehouse, you know, then actually creating a, a warehouse, wow. warehouse management system, you know, like all the systems that we need to create. Like, it was a lot. So you're getting a full on crash course in entrepreneurship, but not on your own dime. Exactly. And not with my own vision, not with my own idea. Like, gotcha. It's also, you know, buying into someone else's idea yeah. to the point to be able to put in the work necessary to build something. Gotcha. That's a lot. <clears throat> so, you know, you saying that, do you think a person, a good entrepreneur has to know how to be a good soldier before a good to be a general? 150%. Gotcha. And just more so like understanding roles. You need to have a, a clear understanding of roles so during this whole time were you thinking i want to start my own thing or were you like content with where you are and things were great i always wanted to start my own thing before i got that job before i was offered that job i um you know in my mind i felt like i had a ceiling in the wine industry i didn't mm -hmm. i wasn't even aware that these opportunities was were available for someone like me 
because someone that looked like me, grew up like me, and acted like me, was never in these positions. Like yeah. I was the first, per- I was the the first person that looked like me in a lot of these rooms that I was going in. Like most of the people that I met in my career growing up, like they never been around dudes from the hood, and you know they probably had some questions and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, like. There's women that complain about like people touching their hair and shit. Like nothing like that happened to me, but it was, you know, on a very basic level yeah, that yeah, yeah. sort of like uh, introduction. Wow. Okay, that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, so the whole time you're thinking, I want to start something. I want to make. Do you make a transition, or do you just kind of keep doing the work that you're doing? No. So you know after. Uh, and don't get me wrong when I started at the new place I was fully committed I, was, I loved the vision I loved the like we I helped to to um, create that company mm-hmm. culture so I did feel a big part of what we were doing um, the company uh, then downsized and uh, really relocated the operations for the auction business to their uh, satellite location, put to their location in Los Angeles, so, growing other parts so of the business. So technically, you didn't quit, they kind of pushed you out, like, or you got, <clears throat> you got oh. down, what is it, uh, downsized? Yes, gotcha. I got laid off. Laid off, <laughs> laid yeah. off. But it, and it, but it was also like, on extremely great terms. It wasn't like, hey, sorry, plugs pulled, I don't know what to do for you. It was like, look, if you're in, in willing to come to Los Angeles, there's some opportunities out here for you. You know, we still want to like keep in touch, figure stuff out. And um, but it, it wasn't an option for me at all. At the time, my mom was sick, stage four cancer. You know, she was about to um, move in with me because of some stuff, some family stuff that was going on. So leaving the state was not an option. I had to like make a decision on what I was going to so, do with my life very quickly. How nervous you at, were you at that point where you're like, oh, I got downsized. I don't have a job. I got laid off. I'm sitting here. I got nothing. No. Did you have any offers on the table? Anything? Um, yo, I mean, and, you know, God bless. God bless Wally's, man. God bless that company because, you know, what we did it really put me at that point I'd become the logistics director. I started as a logistics director and then left the company as the auction director. Mm-hmm. So the position that the person that hired me was in was the position I ended up leaving the wine auction business in. So that was in itself I felt gratified, like boom, I got mine, I can move on. So from packing boxes to now being at the top of the actual auction space, which is the director of auctioning. Did you ever see that happening in that? Absolutely not. I didn't think that that was, I did not think that I was capable of that. Gotcha. Like, like I said, when I was at Zaki's and I left as like, um, I left as the logistics manager, that was my last position there. I thought that that was my ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> like that was it. Go above that. You know, I didn't think, because you know you need a certain amount of wine knowledge you need like client contacts but being in the business over that amount of time i amassed all this information i didn't realize that all this knowledge that i didn't realize that i had because you were just so entrenched in it i was just like yeah i'm just doing this and again no one looked like me no one talked like me no one dressed like me i didn't think that that was for me Mm. i didn't look at that as an option so now you're unemployed kind of you're dealing with some personal stuff with your mom 
is that the time you decide to say I'm gonna go on my own or nah honestly dude when when I when I started at uh, at Wally's like that was me in entrepreneur mode I was like whoa this is cool from the start I was always like let me create let me utilize this as a platform for my next steps and again credit to um, our CEO Michael at the time he uh, when we started, he was like, yo, what are your goals for yourself? Like your individual goals. We listed those out and then we talked about how we will use this to get us to where our goals are, mm -hmm. you know? And that could mean that it wasn't like, hey, let me set you up on how to work here for a couple of years and bounce off and do your thing. It was like, what's your plan for your career? When you retire, where do you want to end up? And we worked backwards. Like that could have meant me being at that company for 15 years, that could have meant anything. But it's just creating some sort of roadmap for myself. So when, I, like I was at Wally's for another, for three years. And during that entire three years, I was just walking down that roadmap that I already created, which was entrepreneurship at the end of it. So, you know, when things transitioned at Wally's, I didn't blink, I didn't sweat. It was probably the most pleasant conversation they had that day. I was like, look, thank you very much for the opportunity. And you know, if I can ever be of any assistance, let me know. I let them know that I was gonna be starting a new company. I had to sit down with CEO, let them know I was starting a new company. And um, you know, my direction was gonna be consulting, but um, I'm still sorting out some things, but you know, I'd like to keep in touch. and work with you guys as clients and we did like we still did business together we still do business right now but nice. um i didn't look at it as a problem i looked at it as an opportunity okay so what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna talk about the next half so mm -hmm. how you transitioned into entrepreneurship full-time and what that was like yeah all right, you guys made it this far in the show. Thanks for being here. Um, make sure you guys are rate, comment, subscribe, five stars on everything. Make sure you guys follow iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. We're on all those platforms. Listen to our podcast anywhere. And if you wherever you listen, make sure you guys are subscribing. Now let's get back to the show. We just heard the first part. You kind of from growing up, how you got to like the top of the wine game, the top, <laughs> <laughs> proverbial top, the top of the your wine auction um, director, um, proverbially leaving it at kind of a high, and now <laughs> you're transitioning. You're boom entrepreneur, starting from ground floor. What was your direction? You said you're going to be consulting and and. What said consulting? What made you want to go in that direction? And let's talk about like that journey because this part of your career, you've kind of found ways to bring both of your loves together. You're like hip hop that you loved as a kid, you were a rapper, and then somehow you're finding ways to tie. And synonymously, these industries don't really tie together. They do in a weird way where mm -hmm. you have like bottle popping and crystal and videos and mm -hmm. stuff, but when does it like how where do you say i need to tie these both worlds together and i'm gonna put that on my back and like bring that on so let, let's talk about like getting fired not, not getting laid off and now you're at mm -hmm. entrepreneurship let's take it from there yeah um i remember i mean so yeah i started out just doing what i knew working with the clients that i had been working with in the past like 
working with brokers for rich guys, working with other rich guys, <laughs> <laughs> and just like being a fixer for any problems that would pop up. I, you know, and during my, the course of my career, I picked up a lot of contacts all over the world. So if you ran into an issue in Stockholm, I could help you resolve it, whatever wine problem that is. If you needed to find something there, you need to find, uh, you needed to move a wine cellar, you, <clears throat> you needed to know what retail shop uh, you could go to to set you up with uh, some rare wine. Like I could get stuff done pretty much anywhere. Yeah, yeah it, it's pretty interesting. So I, I'm just gonna be a quick sidebar. Uh, Jimmy and I know each other, and I've I've received some calls like, "Hey, you want to go to Paris tomorrow? Tell me with the wine cellar." I'm like, what, dude? I got kids. I can't do that. And he's like, "Yeah, if you can, you got it, your passport's good." And I'm like, uh, "It is, but I don't know if I can go to Paris tomorrow." And he's like, "Yeah, I have to move a wine cellar." So is that like what a lot of calls? That, that you that's get? definitely one of the types of calls that I would get, or like, "Hey, we got this wine here. It's stuck in customs. It's been there for X amount of days." Can you set us up with an importer that is better than the one that we're working with? Um, you know, other things like it, we randomly need to pick up a thousand bottles from this random place in North Cal Northern California, but we don't have enough boxes. And the <laughs> place that we're picking them up from, they ran out. Gotcha. Can you help us out? So I'll you literally like Ray Donovan for wine. Ray, Do well, the wolf from Pulp Fiction, bro. Got you. That, okay. That's where the whole wolf of wine thing comes from. <laughs> Got you. So you were just mix and fix it. Yeah, exactly. I was a fixer. So when do you? How do you evolve from fixing to like now wanting to bring wine and hip hop together? Well, you know that that's where uh, you got to put your CEO hat on. Uh -huh. And I saw, I, I knew that in wine auction. Uh, you need to be in front of your client in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And it costs money to market. And marketing for expensive clients is expensive. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I just needed to figure a way to, to get cheap marketing because at an auction house, doing tastings all the time, I was in front of the people that I needed to be. But here on my own dime, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I needed to find a way to market myself and um, as we all know, the cheapest way to do that is through social media. I also wanted to attract a different type of clientele to wine. I wanted to create my customer. I know, I, I felt the transition that I was going through and the transition that wine helped me get through. And I look at everything through a lens of hip hop anyway. I'm a product of hip hop culture. Um, so I felt like if someone wanted to talk to me about wine, they would need to talk to me through the language of hip hop. Hip hop culture runs America. Gotcha. Um, so you wanted to, to figure, instead of trying to find customers, let me make my customer base. Exactly. And I knew that was going to take time. But at the same time, being in wine for such a long time, I already knew how many fans of hip hop were in the wine industry. And a lot of the clients that I had that I wanted to maintain contacts with, you know, they were big fans of rap. And I had friends that are rappers or in the rap industry. So if I found a reason to sit down with those rappers, then those same people that I wanted to stay in front of would either uh, want to come and sit down with me and, and these people or 
they want to like listen in our, our conversation. So I created a media arm to that business, which served as an advertising uh, advertising platform for myself. Gotcha. So you use it to just build your personal brand. Exactly. So you started that. That's what helped you start the podcast. That's why I started the podcast. Gotcha. And so. tasting events. <clears throat> so I needed to stay in front of my customer. Okay, and your podcast is pretty unique. It's called the Wine and Hip Hop Podcast. Uh, yep. Please check it out. Yeah, I will right. put notes in the show notes. The original guys. Wine and Hip Hop. <laughs> the original. Very important. No, no fakers out here because yeah. the others are fakers. If it doesn't say original, it ain't. It ain't Wine and Hip Hop. <laughs> yeah. You know so, what? Google me. <laughs> Google Wine and Hip Hop. That's what it is. <laughs> um, so, at this point, you decide to, your podcast is pretty interesting because. It brings this like interesting world together. You 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 have like a. I want you to explain it because it, it's a little yeah. bit. It's an interesting concept for a podcast. And yeah. I've never heard it and never seen it replicated before. Yeah, basically, wine and hip hop uh, is a show which uh, finds re- connections between wine and hip hop in a bunch of different ways. And I sit down with. Uh, influencers from wine or hip-hop to help to find those connections Mm -hmm. Uh, every episode I asked one of my guests to pick either a bottle of wine or a song that is special to them and after they make their selection I pick a pairing for it and we discuss it on the show so you pair the wine with the with the song with the song I help to articulate the like concepts in wine or concepts in hip-hop by finding those relations for example we had a show with um a a brooklyn artist manolo rose who has a kind of an awkward style his style is very unique it's very classic but at the same time so different a little funky you know sometimes he's going off beat a little bit but he's still on beat yeah and um the wine i could i found like the wine that best expressed that was wine from the jura region and you know for me to really introduce wine culture to a new community i need to be hitting you with some fresh new concepts i can't just tell you yeah jay-z doesn't drink crystal anymore so he created ace of spades our story is much bigger than that now and i want to expose people to new stories new concepts that could hopefully I'm not and I'm not trying to like teach you how to be a sommelier I'm trying to spark the mind of the next sommelier or like I always tell people I don't teach wine education I teach wine appreciation gotcha so you'll say you know we're drinking something from a jar region it's this thing it's up to you to go to the store and pick it up and try it. You're not gonna say hey this is what you should do let's taste the grapes and talk about all that you're you're just saying this is something I'm drinking. You yeah. should be interested in it. But this is how it pairs together with the music. Or this is something I'm drinking. It reminds me of this artist. Mm. If you know that artist, you understand the nuance, the, the texture, the, right? The je ne sais quoi. <laughs> you know that that I don't know what that that thing that essence that you can't put your finger on, and that's what art is gotcha. That's what the definitive characteristic of art is, and, and wine is somehow it's technically an art as well it's totally an art yeah you know it's totally an art it like wine is like the description of a moment in time every single bottle is a story of what was going on that year in that vineyard in the, at that 
time that they picked the grape off of the vine. Mm -hmm. Like that, all of that information is in that bottle. And wine education is simply teaching you how to interpret that. Gotcha. Wine appreciation is just teaching you how to enjoy it. So then you start Crew Love because of the podcast or that was already before? No, Crew Love was created so that I could bring everything under one umbrella. Okay. So, so media was my advertising platform for any wine projects that Crew Love was involved with. Gotcha. So now Crew Love works with brands to help them bring hip hop and wine together or how to market and promote to that group of people. Yeah, okay. I mean, we, we consult with, you know, different companies uh, that are, and I mean, we say hip hop, but it really is like culture, American culture today. Yeah. Because hip hop is, hip hop is pop music. Yeah. It's popular culture. So when people want to know how to get at our community, at our culture, at our demo. Through you know, wine. Come, through wine, come to, come to Crew Love. Gotcha. Super interesting. Um, so right now, there's a Jermaine Stone listening yeah. to this, driving in his car, mm. dying a slow death in his cubicle. What up, big homie? <laughs> he, what would you tell that person? Would you say, you know, this, this podcast is, you know, it's about hustling. Would you say, hey, don't work the nine years in that industry. Go ahead and start now. Make the jump. Make the transition, create a side hustle. What would be your advice for the Jermaine Stone that's right now? They're in an industry that's, they, they, they grew up a hip hop kid, but they're in like the moving industry. It's just not like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like something that's predominantly like known for hip hop. Should they try to fuse those two worlds like you? Should they just jump and go into the direction that they want to go in? What would you ex give them advice to, to do? Cause well, you were in wine for a pretty long time, so, yeah. you know, I wanted to know that transition. Definitely. Um, I mean, I would tell, like, first is just identifying your idea. You mm -hmm. know, first thing you got to do is identify your idea. And look, just take the time and really get to know the industry that you want to go in. Mm -hmm. Figure out how you can learn and understand that industry intimately. Um, you might be working in a, you might be at McDonald's right now and you want to start a, a company that makes tables. Well, guess what? You only work for McDonald's a certain amount of hours and it's 24 hours in a day. How many hours are you willing to put into building your concept, your idea, building this into something that's reality? Um, so you would recommend doing the research first. Don't do jump in right away. Don't jump in. Learn as much as you can and work for people for free. Gotcha. So go work for a table maker or a furniture company yep. or, or something like that. Exactly. Because you need to get in there. You need to see what happens every day. You need to do your best to understand what it is you don't know. Learn the industry that you want to jump into as intimately as possible. Even gotcha. take, if you can, take a low paying job in that industry. You just want to know what happens on the inside. You learn the fuck shit that happens during the day. <laughs> yeah. The, the minutia, the bullshit. The yeah. Because the every job has that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's nothing straightforward. You could be, uh, um, you could be a, uh, a mechanic, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about what a mechanic does all day, you, all you think about is fixing cars. You don't think about the fact that like, okay, maybe this part isn't in production anymore. Yeah. So now you got to figure out where to find this part from. Those are problems that could come up yeah. in your day. So making sure that you have a steady connect to buy parts from will affect the, yeah. uh, the, the success of, of your business. Yeah. 
you know, that's a problem that you have to make sure you have a solution to. You don't want to do that on the job. So like limiting as much on the job learning as possible is is huge. But then at the same time, but how much do you really curb that? Right. Do you think you spending how many years did you spend in actual working with in mm-hmm. wine companies were like 13, 14 years? Um, yeah, I was working for other companies about four, uh, 13 years. But does that shield you within your own company, within Crew Love? There's just certain things you can avoid because you have 13, 14 years of experience? Or it's just some of its new experiences that you've never seen on the work experience that you're just going to have to figure out? You're always going to get new experiences. And it's and just for the simple fact of like perspective, uh-huh. when you're spending your own money, you your entire approach is much different. Hundred percent. That right there, guys, is a gem. And and take that one. That's a huge one. Um, Because when you start your own business and it's your money on the line, the decisions are different. Yeah, like small things. Like if it's the other, if it's the company, I I'm about to jump in an Uber. I gotta be here to do this. But if it's your money, you're taking the train. You're taking the bus. I'm gonna jump on the train. It's only gonna be two seventy five, and I know I got this to take care of. Like it, it is what it is. Um, you just got to your, your decision. You make different decisions. Gotcha. Um, so there's never going to be it, the new experiences will never stop. You can just do your best to have an idea of the things you should look out for. Or gotcha. pay attention to. So, you know, this podcast is called H for Hustle. Mm. How much do you think your actual success is luck or actual just hustle? How much of it do you think it is? It, you know, 70% luck, 30% hustle. Is, what do you think it is? Um, hmm. It's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's, I would say... I would say 70% hustle, 30% natural talent. Like, I can't say... Because at the end of the day, I don't come up with these ideas, bro. I'm blessed, man. Like, these things just pop into my head. So, 30% hustle for you. Rest is... 70% hustle. 70% hustle. 30% natural ability. Okay. So, most of it is just grinding your face off. I mean, there's no... You don't grind, you don't shine. And straight up and down, hard work always pays off. No matter what anybody tells you. If somebody tells you that's not the case, that means they mad. They disgruntled at something. They don't realize what it is they're working for. Being an entrepreneur sucks. Like, anybody that works with me, I give them the straight dope, man. Like, being your own boss sucks. Everybody wants to be a boss until that check comes on the table and somebody got to pull out their credit card. You you feel me? Everybody want to be the boss until that happens. So, um, being an entrepreneur sucks, man. It's painful. You doubt yourself. Your, 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 your wife is pissed at you. It's you isolating. Know, it's so isolating. Every single entrepreneur will tell you this is yeah, how it I know. starts. When I was running in both my companies and I ran them, was, I was literally, I, I would to tell people, I said, like, employees would be like, yeah, you're living the life. I was like, I was crying in the shower last night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like why? <laughs> you know? Um, and there's moments you have that. And then there's the good parts where you can take a vacation and yep. be gone for three weeks and you know and I'm still trying to find those moments <laughs> it's been two years now. <laughs> but you know those are again you own you own the the outcome and you own the the losses um you let's own talk the about, outcome and the income yeah <laughs> uh, what, let's talk about like failures um you know throughout your processes how many like you know I, 
I believe a lot of entrepreneurs are people who are on the curve. There's a guy, right, and that's listening, or a girl listening to this podcast right now. They want to make the turn, and they don't understand, like, how much failure you actually have to go through to get one thing to work, you know? Like, is this your first podcast that you're putting out right now? No. Yeah, how many podcasts before? Yo, real talk, I've been podcasting since... 2004 yeah like when I, I had a show on live 365 that was when it was just internet radio yeah you know like i've been doing it. and to be completely honest with you i was recording radio shows in my hallway as a kid when i was like eight yeah you know we would I, we would listen to stretch and barbito yeah and like we felt like oh shit it's just regular people like us they just chilling and talking yeah. so me and my friends started doing that and like actually putting songs <laughs> between our conversations. Yeah. But that was, and that was in like 95, bro, yeah. you know? Um, so, and we always evolve, but the idea has always been somewhat consistent. Um, but no, I mean, and I don't even look at this stuff as failures. It's just, I've continued to pivot. Even from being a rapper when I was 14, I've continued to pivot and can always going back to what I found was true to me. Taking up all the experiences that I've gotten along the way, putting it into one big ball, and um, you know, putting on that nice grand tapestry we call life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then go from there. That's it. So if there was a book or a resource, one book or a resource that you can say that read that you read that changed your mind or helped you through entrepreneurship when you know you come out of the shower crying mm-hmm. is there something that you turn to a book or a research that could be a website a blog or something that you, you know that you can give to people that they can actually check out i call my homeboy jerome <laughs> <laughs> i do that too but nah I, um yo the book is um the happiness advantage got you dude this guy that's shout the, to my, tony shea right yeah 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 shout to my man tom black he the one that put me onto this book tom black's a billionaire okay and he used to live in a box car growing up get out of here yeah like look him up he's a good dude and um he introduced me to this book and again, I met Tom through wine. Tom's a collector. That was also what was so cool about wine. I mean, I was meeting all of these people yeah. like that would just put me on all type of different shit, just open me up to a different uh, life. But Tom put me on to the happiness advantage. And really what it, it focuses on is the importance of happiness and not just your day to day life, but in business, you know, being happy. That's the story of the guy from Zappos. That, well, the happy Zappos is um, what's that? The the delivering, that is delivering happiness. happiness. Okay. Also, a very good book, which was very very influential in the way that I build my companies today, and the way that we created the company culture at Wally's. Um, that was a lot of where that came from. Reading those books. Okay, so the delivering happiness and the happiness advantage. Yeah, happiness is the key, man. Like, and you know, when we talk about the grind. You got to find pleasure in the grind. Yeah. You know, in the that's process of it. Because the gr- that it's the grind. Business ain't the success. It's the grind. Yeah. It's going to suck the entire time. It's the journey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So get in love with that part of it. Cool. Um, no, nah, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, man. All right. Sure. Um, where do you see, so a final question for you. Mm. Um, where do you see the future of wine? The future of wine is in culture you know and call me biased but i think the future of wine is in hip-hop culture 
you know, you look at the numbers, hip hop right now today is, you know, based on the last time they looked at this is over 30% of the music consumed in the United States. I'm sure it's comparable to the rest of the world, but whatever. Um, and it's always been this popular. The only thing is you have data to look at, to back mm -hmm. it up now. Because if you look at the way that culture has evolved, the way that people dress, I mean, Iverson started the braids thing and the NBA tattoos, all that. How long ago was that? Hip hop been, and, and then what did every NBA, most NBA players do after they, that? They, they all look, look like prototypes of fighting for But hip hop, when you looked at the numbers, wasn't the most popular form of music. How was it being consumed then? CDs, bro, we from the streets. We don't know how to operate within the system. So there was a lot of music being passed around mm -hmm. that wasn't being recorded. Now, you have this, um, this opportunity where hip hop is most pop popular. That's why we're hanging on to that. Um, wine is, everything is about lifestyle right now. Wine works so well within that. Wine is a part of the lifestyle that everyone wants to, to be in. So it just makes sense that wine and hip hop will be the future of the wine industry, the American wine industry anyway. Um, I, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I can talk to you about what I know. And um, I also think that, uh, so yeah, hip hop is gonna have a lot to do with it. Things are a lot more laid back now. So like a lot of those stuffy uh, white tablecloth service restaurants, uh, they aren't as uh, stuffy. They, well, they are. There are a lot of them, but they're not the only options out there. Like you have Michelin star restaurants in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. You know, that play hip hop. <laughs> that play hip hop. Like I went in there. I'm talking like weird, cool shit. Like only eight seats in the whole restaurant. They do two settings a night. Yeah, that's like that wasn't happening before. Um, yeah, you took me to Charlie Bird, which is a great restaurant, and it's like hip-hop when i took my wife there she's like but this is cool exactly it's like, it's like highbrow food highbrow wine and then it's like oh there's nas in the background you know yeah, like, and it's real they playing real shit in yeah. the background like you playing dipset anthem yeah yeah like this isn't they're not playing vanilla ice or no anything. no no it's like, like no real sweetheart records yeah. <laughs> they're playing b-side snoop you know like, yeah. it's like crazy like on the dog pound album exactly know? yeah yeah so um and there's so many more places like that that's just one place it's also um trickling into retail you know it's trickling into wine brands wine labels all you know it's it's now a part of um our culture so and but yeah hip-hop over 30 percent and wine sales have grown in um I want to say uh, wine sales have grown like 27% in the last five years, you know? So that is also going to begin to more uh, dominate American culture a little bit more. Like food culture, like how many foodies do you know? You know, this is what it is. And knowing more about it, that's all, that all plays into the, the social currency, man. Gotcha. You want to be that cool dude that knows the spots. And the fine wine. Yeah, it's fine wine and vintage flows, baby. Um, so let people know where they can reach out to you. Give them all your socials. Um, tell them where you can find your podcast because 
guys it's such an amazing interesting podcast i would definitely say you should listen to it um just the concept of it is super cool and every time i've listened to it i've learned something and i've walked down to my liquor store and said hey what about this you guys have that <laughs> and and, and that because of that podcast i've been able to um try a bunch of wine some of them i don't like i'm not going to be honest i'll be honest with you yeah i don't like everything but then i find there's one or two i'm like Riesling, German Riesling. Never even knew this existed. Um, so, um, just know, let them know all your socials where they can find yeah, you. Yeah, um, you know, Real Wolf of Wine, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, more on Facebook, Jermaine Showtime Stone. Um, also, look up uh, Wine and Hip Hop Podcast on Instagram at Wine and Hip Hop Podcast. Uh, Worst case, hit us up on the website. Every single episode is on wineandhiphop.com. You know what? Just Google search wine and hip hop and you'll find me. Yeah. You won't have any issues. I'm the first one that pops up. <laughs> <laughs> Organic search, baby. You feel me? <laughs> we trying to, we, we trying to uh, document the evolution of hip hop culture. That's what we're here for. Wine and hip hop culture. Got you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Pleasure, you so much man. for your time, man. Pleasure, man. It's fun. This podcast was mixed, mastered, and produced by Brian Alexander in the Shedio.